Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other hosts. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. the Gridiron Stud Show. Somebody's got to wrap up what we've got going on here in college and NFL football. And who better to do it than us two? It is the duo. It is Amo Calamino, Chad Wilson. We're here for you to, uh, I guess, um, provide the breakfast toast, Amo. So much going on in the world. Oh, a lot of stuff going on. Lots. Big weekend. Yes, we are your refuge from. Uh, was that a debate or was that like <laughs> a, a that reminds me of something battle? when it was like a sophomore in high school when you're at the table and you're just you know, whatever word you want to use in your neighborhood Cut value the word session. tweaking. Yeah, whatever. Oh, you're just man. you're busting each other's stones for like an hour at lunch. That's what that reminded me of. Unbelievable, Emil. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but uh, my youngest Marco was sitting on the couch with me watching this debate, and I promise you. I had my hand over my face, kind of hiding it in embarrassment, um, as he is, you know, taking in politics. Uh, 17 years old, taking in politics, uh, and at this age, you know, um, your, your first bit of it, and this is what um, this is what his introduction to politics is. Yeah, I don't know if you got a chance to read. You know, basically, if you, you, I'm sure you kind of have, have similar feelings. Uh, people are complaining about both candidates, and the problem I see it is this is what we've become as a country. So when we sit there and look at both candidates and complain, looking we're really looking into the mirror, and and that's what we become. We're, we're an entertainment society, uh, and I'm not somebody who sits around. I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to suggest I sit around and read War and Peace in my spare time. I like to be entertained too, but we don't do anything seriously anymore. If we can't get it in two minutes. We're done with it. We, we, you know, reality TV is the big thing that tells you where our heads are. God forbid anybody turns on uh, the History Channel or Nat Geo once in a while, and we become mm-hmm. that country. So you get the, you know, you get the government you deserve is the old saying when you're in a democracy. So pretty much the immortal George Carlin was right. You know, um, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, our politicians are a reflection of who we are and what we've become as a society. And here you have it. Exhibits A. Um, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Those are your choices on Super Tuesday, folks. But look, we've got well, too much hey, football hey, hey, to get Stop it. it. You have a guy who doesn't know where, where where there's a civil war going on in Syria. You can always vote for him. He thought that that Aleppo was a dog food. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well there you go, folks. These are your choices. Uh, grab a box of Kleenex as you start to ball down crying but listen a number of things on the docket nfl wise amel oh he's back 
He's back, and he came out with a vengeance, Emil. 28 of 40, 406 yards, three touchdowns, and he threw them all to someone who wasn't on the roster last year, Martellus Bennett. You think Martellus Bennett is happy to be out of Chicago right now? Wow. You Tom know, Brady's back. I could never figure that guy out because when the, you know, remember, he was drafted by the Cowboys. You remember that, right? Martellus Bennett? Yes. Yeah, well, you know, you would know he that. He spent four years in Dallas, and, uh, you know, he just never, you know, for whatever reason, it was behind Witt in his prime years, and, you know, Martellus uh, kind of marches to the beat of his own drummer for sure. Uh, then he had mm-hmm. a couple of good years, Chicago, New York. Uh, he has always had ability, and they don't have anything outside per se there, but those two tight ends make them very tough to defense because both of them can block. I mean, Bennett's just a beast in in the run game as a tight end. Hey, well, so, let me I mean, break that, this gonna... down for you, okay? Let me break this down for you. Um, Rob Gronkowski, you remember him, right? Tight end. Yep. Uh, on Brady's return yesterday, five catches, 109 yards. All right? Not uh, bad. Martellus Bennett, six catches, three of them for touchdowns. Some dude named Hogan, four catches for 114 yards. This is what the Patriots do. I mean, who's who throwing the ball? Is this to, Hogan's man? Heroes or something? Is that that show? We, 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 we. A dude named Hogan, four from catches, Mammoth. 114 oh, from yards. From Mammoth. You know who Mammoth produced? The legendary Miles Austin. Remember Miles Austin? Well, well there you go, man. Um, yeah, you always get the Cowboys angle in there. Well, I mean, I'm Mammoth. I mean, come on. You should be, instead of busting me like Hillary and Donald, you should be more impressed with the fact that your co-host could name Bro, a second it's player the Cowboys. You know who was the second pick overall in the 1979 draft for the Cowboys. You probably can recite that off of the top of your head. But, Amos, staying here on the New England Patriots theme, Better than anyone, man, they can adjust to what it is you're doing. So if you're out there taking away uh, the bigger names, I guess, an Edelman and an Amendola, they're going to throw the ball to a dude named Hogan. They sign guys off the street. They let big-name players go. They don't care. They'll plug anyone in. It's amazing how they do this. And Tom Brady's back, and he's mad, and he's got several weeks of stats to make up for. Can you do me a favor, though? For. I mean, and, and I know he's mad, and I had them yesterday in my uh, my last man standing pool, so I was on board with the Patriots. Can you just slowly, slowly, I don't want you to burn them out, tap the brakes as you're going down the hill. They played Cleveland. I don't care. They played Cleveland and did not struggle. You understand that the Browns, and I told you this the other day, it's still early in the season. They still think they're good. Well, they no longer think that. Well, they, they no longer think they're thinking that. No, that's if they get with. the that's morning paper, with. they might realize they're the only team without a win. I think that that delusion's yeah, over. Yeah, but let's not fight like let's not act like the Browns haven't fought the last three weeks. I mean, they went toe to toe with the Redskins on the road, took the Dolphins to overtime on the road. We'll talk about the Dolphins later, and then yeah, they, okay. uh, you know, almost came up with an upset victory versus the Baltimore Ravens. And so, all right, listen, they might not have won a game, but they're gonna they're gonna fight uh, you. I, I hear. I mean, the yeah, Patriots took all the fight out of you. Knew, Come on, you knew Brady was going to do. We all, if anything other than what happened yesterday happened, I would have been shocked. You, you knew Brady was looking to tear someone a new rectum yesterday. But and it's not even that. It's what I'm pointing out to you is how it was done. He came in here and threw balls to a dude named Hogan, 
And Martellus Bennett, who I don't know. How much work has he had with Martellus Bennett, a guy that was on another team last year, and Brady has not thrown a pass to in a game here. Here's three touchdowns. Welcome to New England, Martellus, for the love of God. It's how they do it. It's not that they do it because we all know they do it. You want to know the comedy of Brady, though? ESPN thinks he's a vampire. I just pulled up their, their NFL page. They're polling mm. NFL executives on the trade value of, what's his name, Jimmy Garoppolo or something? The Italian yes. kid, they're polling them on the, his trade value. I mean, Brady is going to be 40. I mean, I know he's in good shape, but, I mean, he's not Same a vampire. Point, man, it, it, it doesn't matter at this point. Okay, let's say Brady wakes up next season, and in game one, he's, he realizes he's 41 years old and plays like it. They're going to sign someone off the practice squad, and that person's going to come in and win six in a row. You're probably total, right. Uh, the, the, you're not going to know who he is, where he played for. You're probably going to never have heard of the school he came from. And they're going to win six games in a row throwing the ball to a dude named Hogan. It's just amazing. Everyone should be pissed off. It is off. amazing. If they're, listen, yeah, they're, they're a well-run. Get mad. They're just a well-run organization. You have to give it to them. I mean, you might, whether we hate them, whatever your, your feeling is as a fan, you have to just say the New England Patriots are not only a model sports agency, maybe companies should start going in there if they're not already and figuring out what the hell these guys do, because a lot of this stuff can be applied across, you know, a lot of companies can apply sports stuff, and a lot of sports teams apply what company, great companies do. I would, I would absolutely look at, do that. Yeah. I would absolutely yeah. do that. Uh, speaking of well-run, your Dallas Cowboys went out yesterday and just, from the word go, smashed an AFC team that many believe will be not only in the playoffs, but advance in the playoffs. You know, that idea, that whole idea may be declining with each passing week. But coming into the season was a well-regarded team, and they've got a recent history which would support that argument. They come out yesterday and just totally run through the face of the Cincinnati Bengals, get a 28 nothing lead. Dak Prescott, again impressive, 18 of 24, 227, yet to have thrown an interception, um, and is headed uh, to a record a career record to start um, his career of the most passes without an interception. I hope I haven't jinxed that. Totally dominating. Um, and, the, you know, your rookie running back is finally, you know, um, finding himself 15 carries for 134 yards for Ezekiel Elliott. And, again, not against some slouches. And the big news after such a dominating win is Jerry Jones says he's going to Tony Romo when Romo is back. Um Here's your chance to talk about your Cowboys. What's your feeling on that? Let the fans well, out there a couple know of things. how you feel. Yesterday, I was surprised in that game from a standpoint of the Bengals' defensive line, as far as the NFL goes, is probably right up there. It's as good as it gets with anybody else's. You know, I mean, it's it's just a really good defensive line. Um, so I was surprised that I mean they, they were pushing them off the ball, and that, that was one of those explanations you gave me years ago about when once a team gets bored, once Elliott went for 60 yards, and that score was 28 nothing. The Cowboys went into the mode of, okay, let's get the hell out of here. Because that final, 28-14, was not as, as indicative, I, I, unless you disagree with me. I, I think that game, they could have named their score if they kept playing hard. They were just killing them. And um, Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah they, yeah, they were just pushing them around. It was almost like once Elliott went for 60 yards, he basically came out of the game by and large. He got a couple more carries, but mainly they went to Alfred Morris because I think they wanted no part of ever getting Elliott hurt in a game like that. Um, and they just kind of pulled the oars back in the boat, and Cincinnati got a couple of garbage ones second half of the fourth quarter to make it look like it was almost a game, but it was not a game. Um, I, I, I'll be surprised. If, he, if they go back to Romo, I don't see how he doesn't get pushed back in the locker room. 
there's only a few guys left there that remember, you know, like Witten, a few guys who are going to be staunch Romo supporters. The rest of these guys just want to win football games. They're young guys. They just want to win football games. So I don't see how he's not going to get some pushback to say, guys, you know, Mr. Jones, we got something going here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I don't, and I don't listen, they, even in even his biggest buddy, uh, Jason Witten, has to probably deep down inside admit that it probably wouldn't be a good idea to, you know, slide his, his buddy back in there at quarterback, other than the fact that, you know, Romo. But how much of that game did you get to watch? Because there was something I noticed with Romo yesterday. The first three or four games that, that he's been out, uh, you know, he was what did you what, what did you notice? I noticed him standing, paying attention early on, sitting in the bench, looking far away like, man, this might be my career slipping away here. Is that yes, exactly. That that, that's exactly you. You and I pick up on a lot of body language. That very good, mm-hmm. very good. You picked on exactly what I did. The first three or four games when he was out, he was like a mini coach. He was on the sidelines, you know, helping the kid and everything. And now mm-hmm. I don't think it's that he doesn't want to help him. I think it's more one of those things is like, listen, this kid pondering life is a yeah. This kid doesn't need help. I mean, he. I mean, Romo's been around long enough to understand that this kid's the real deal. He was looking at that big screen watching stuff go down yesterday, almost like what you said, like, uh, my career here is over. He, he looked like someone, in, yeah, in that second half, he looked like someone who should be entering the concussion protocol. He had a faraway look like he, his body was there at the game, but he had left. His mind and everything else had left that stadium as the Cowboys are just handling Cincinnati and just really thinking about everything that he needs to do. Perhaps in there he's saying, I, might, I myself, because I love the Cowboys so much, may go into Jerry's office and say, Jerry, with all due respect, I love you and the Cowboys and this organization, and I really think that it is in the best interest of this football team for you to continue to play Dak Prescott. And, you know, yeah, well, you can continue I mean, to pay me my salary, uh, and I'll make the most of it. <laughs> but, but yeah, please, well, but you know what? Leave Dak that in. would take a bigger and, – and trade me in the off season. That would be my request. But, you know, what, what – what I would say is this: I, we we both played sports, you know, maybe not in the professional level like that, but mm-hmm. I, having been in the situations over my life, thinking back when I was younger, it's a tough situation because you know when you're on a team, you want your team to win, okay, no doubt about it. But there is a certain ego gratification. Now, I don't think Tony Romo in any way, shape, or form wanted the Cowboys to go one and eleven last year without him. But I do think when he when he sat back this offseason said, man, my team really needs me. That feels good to be needed. And he probably felt that way early in the season. Now he looks, and, and that's a shot to your ego to say, you know what, they really don't need me anymore. Yeah, it was just one of those things. And that's, you know, that's what that look looked like to me, um, that, you know, he was really thinking about, you know, where where he stands in all this, in this whole big picture. This thing really can move on and probably is going to move on without me. That's just uh, – I saw that – Well, let me you ask you one quick question before we move off this well, – let me ask you a quick question before we move off this subject. If you're him, okay, and I'm being serious here, do you want to go back in? Because here's the thing. Think about the position Jerry Jones is going to put this guy in, okay? Their first game that he'll probably play if he goes back, they're going to play the Packers next week. Whether they win or lose – they have their bye. It's been a successful six-game run for Dak. I mean, a one-point loss in your first game in the NFL to the Giants in a game you could have probably won if Terrence Newman's a little bit smarter, makes a few more yards there. That day, Bailey was going to make a 59-yard field goal if you gave him a shot. He was killing it, okay? So you could have won the game. You win four in a row. You, you, the Bengals have been in five straight playoff games. You, uh, 
playoffs five straight years, you kill them. Even if you lose to the Packers, it's been successful. Now you have a bye week. First game back is in Dallas. I think it's Sunday night football against the Eagles. If you put Romo in there and he plays average to poor, mm-hmm. what position are you putting this guy in? I mean, that, that crowd will turn on him. If he throws a pick in the first quarter, you will have beer being thrown onto the sidelines in, in, in AT&T Stadium if people yeah, can Yeah, because, reach. you know, know, it might be the first interception thrown by the Cowboys this year. Um, and, you know, Tony's not Dak in that regard. He's going to take more chances with the football down the field. So there'll be some rewards. There'll also be some risks. So he's going to throw interceptions. And you're going to come in behind a guy who hasn't turned the ball over. It's just really – and it's probably – Emil, some of the things that he was thinking about as he was sitting back on that bench, and I'm just telling you, I didn't watch the whole Cowboys game. I didn't. I was on the Red Zone channel, um, and I would flip between the Cowboys game and the Red Zone channel, so I was missing parts of the game. I just happened to come back at that time. I saw a part in the game where he was at the beginning of the game on the sidelines, headset on, in tuned, um, and then I happened to come back at a later time and see that clip of him sitting there on the bench with his, you know, with his arms over the back of the bench, look, with a faraway look. And that may be, Amos, some of the things he's thinking about. What happens if I well, don't come back? Can I point something out to you, though, just so you don't send out the wrong vibe? Make no mistake about it, though. Dak is not dinking and dunking here. You know what Dak's averaging per attempt right now? Eight yards per attempt. You know what Tony Romo's yeah, career averages per attempt? No, I don't want to give that out either. I, I mean, is he really is he wheeling and dealing it down the field? No, not really. But – um, it's not. He's not dumping it down to the back. Uh, no, you know, so, but eight-point so, yeah, attempt, Chad, is is higher than Tony Romo's career average of seven point eight nine. And Tony Romo's got one of the highest career averages in NFL history. My point is, I'm not trying to suggest you're you're wrong. You're right. They're not throwing it down the field fifteen times a game. But he is not dumping it to Ezekiel Elliott and getting fifty-yard runs that look like he threw it to him. Okay, he's no, throwing the ball. To that point, to back that up statistically, Elliott had three catches yesterday for 37 yards, you know, and Terrence right. Williams five for 70. Um, you know, Jason Witten, who would be part of the dump-down scheme because he doesn't get down the field like that anymore, only three catches. Yes, he's throwing the ball where he needs to throw and the ball. And by the way, Des didn't play yesterday that. or the game before, so let's, let's really put this in perspective. I mean, Romo has struggled in his career when his number one receiver has been out. He has. I mean, he has struggled. You go back and look at games where Des missed and Romo played. He was not as effective. This guy really, the last two games, it's like, okay, no Des Bryant, no problem. <laughs> yeah, well, Dak hasn't, you know, uh, hasn't had the ability or the time yet to really latch on to any one guy. Uh, that, you know, the fact that he's out there starting right away uh, may have prevented that. Because let me tell you what happens uh, with guys that don't start right away. They do a scout team type of thing. They do second team reps. And they develop a relationship with a guy on the team that's on that, you know, second unit or whatever. And they get this kind of mojo going with one particular guy. So, you know, you wait five or six games and you come in at that point. Or you come in next season, you have this relationship with this guy. And then you end up latching on to him and throwing him the ball. By coming in there right away, he did not have a chance for any of that to happen. So he can spread it around. Um who knows though? When Des comes well, back, well, we will in, move off the Cowboys. But let me here. let me tell the listeners. How about uh, that? It, the, the fact that you suggested that suggested you have matured over the years. 
Well, I just want to give the listeners a warning, though. The minute that he, Romo goes back in, and I have a feeling what's going to happen happens, they will need to allow me a 10-minute Monday rant for Jerry Jones. So just, you know, uh, mark your calendar accordingly. I would imagine the, co- the closet Cowboy fans that listen to this show would call in, you know, uh, to to help you with that rant that you need to go on. I'm not, you know, a, a Cowboys fan per se, but I'm going to be right there ranting with you. It might be an entire uh, Dallas Cowboys show. We need to talk about some college football, and we'll talk about the whole slate and some uh, off-the-side things that went on. There was a hurricane that came, um, and it prevented a football game from being played, and there's much to do about that. Who's right, who's wrong on that? We'll talk about all that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Studs show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. truth well here it is speed kills and in no other sport is that true than in football speed gets you to the end zone speed gets you to the ball carrier speed makes you a winner do you want championship type speed do you want speed that kills then complete speed is what you need complete speed is turning athletes into game breakers with quick and easy methods that are easy to understand complete speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash make you quicker and more explosive they have a clear progression drills and exercises along with specific instructions they also have proven sample workouts and programs for you the individual or for you the coach speed is what you need so hurry now and check out complete speed just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed that's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. Just be the self self rich man. Ten twenty-two on a Monday. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino, what a weekend wrap! And we're into what week seven already of the college football season, and it's flying. Oh by yeah, week friend. seven, hard to believe it just uh, flies by. Yeah, just uh, took off, took off on us, and uh, we're already at week seven. Um, as we do every week, we are going to fly through. Uh, well, not really fly. We'll talk about. Uh, the big, bigger games that went down in each conference. Uh, I'm going to start off with the ACC. 
uh, for no other reason than it's alphabetical. And two games I want to talk about here in this conference, Emil, was Virginia Tech and North Carolina. Listen, coming into this game, um, if you watched the game last week for North Carolina against Florida State, going in there and getting a big win on the road in Doe Campbell and the fashion in which they won it with a long field goal at the end and the kicker running around the stadium doing the tomahawk chop, you had to know North Carolina was not going to be mentally prepared for this contest. And uh, that proved to be right. I did not expect, though, for them to get completely and totally handled 34-3 to in this contest. And, Emil, it's, is it time for us to start paying attention to Virginia Tech? Their last three games... 49-0 over Boston College, 54-17 over East Carolina, and now 34-3 on the road against North Carolina. Do we need to start paying attention to Virginia Tech? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely an improved football team. I mean, what makes me angry here is that both of us knew this. Both of us made the comment that we expected North Carolina to struggle in this game, and neither one of us made it a pick in that section of the show. Uh something's wrong with the, you and I I'm worried were we drinking bloody Mary's Friday because we both said the same thing in this game we we did not see how North Carolina could be ready to play in this game based on their reaction to the win against Florida State and then the win the week before against Pitt uh, I pay attention to Virginia Tech let's let them play uh, up in in, in uh, competition even a little bit more here in the conference before we get too excited but that loss to Tennessee I told you on the show Friday kind of impressed me with Virginia Tech um, because they played close for about two and a half quarters. And I think we saw Saturday even in a loss, and we'll get to that game later, just how talented this Tennessee team is. So, um, yeah, yeah no let's doubt. pay attention. Let's pay attention to Virginia yeah, Tech. Uh, they have Miami coming It is coming time up. to wake up. Yeah, it is Couple time to weeks. wake up to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, um, you're sliding on to the other big game, and obviously it's uh, the hugest game that went down in the ACC. It was the University of Miami taking on the Florida State Seminoles. Emil, uh, what do I say about this? First of all, I'm going to say this. Um, If you have up to this point in your life said about college football that it's only about recruiting, it's not about coaching, then, you know, this and several other instances um, should wake you up. Because despite the loss, 20 to 19, the University of Miami, and we'll you know we'll talk in a minute about how the game was lost. But if you can't see that the the same players that were on this roster last year are just infinitely improved in their play, then you know you watch this game with very dark shades on. This is the same athletes playing a whole lot better football. So it's not just about recruiting. And they're playing a different brand of football, and we're going to cover this in the NFL section as well. I'm going to talk about another team that's doing this as well. But Miami is is playing a a brand of more controlled football, not just going out there, throwing the ball over the yard, getting in these sloppy, you know, 50 to 42 type games. And in this game, you know, I'll I'll be interested to hear your opinion. It's your team. You, You follow them more closely than I. I put this a little bit on the uh, the offensive line here. I mean, Florida State wasn't stopping anybody coming into this game. You get 28 rushing attempts, 62 yards. Now, I don't know how many sacks are in there, but still. I mean, they should have been able to run the ball much more effectively against Florida State, which would have helped their passing game. Um, I expected more of the quarterback in this game. I mean, this is a kid that I think is an NFL-caliber player and, you know, kind of pedestrian numbers in this game. 6.7 6.7 yards an attempt. Meh. So, yeah, um, for, for you know, look, the, the the play calling was greatly criticized in this game. Here's what I saw. I saw I saw the University of Miami come out um 
play the kind of ball that they'd played in all of the games so far up to this season. Um, I really saw them as being the better team in this contest. I saw them take control of a football game and then do what I've seen several teams do this year. And the Florida Gators did this in the second half against Tennessee. Oh, my God, this is what we'd been waiting for. This is, this is, this is what we were looking for. Let's try and hurry up and, and get it over with so we can accomplish our goal. And the uh, play calling just allowed the Florida State Seminoles to get back in a football game. And it's like mentally – so far as this rivalry is concerned, Miami's not quite there. You could see it in the talent. You could see it in the early play, but mentally not ready to come over, uh, overcome the, the hurdle that they have here now. Florida State has equaled the longest streak in this series by having won their seventh straight in this game. And but Miami, you, know what, so. it's, you know what's a big circle for me with Miami and where I know Miami's all the way back is I don't see a guy as good as he is, by the way, I don't see Dalvin Cook going for 27 carries for 150 yards. When Miami gets all the way back, that won't happen. Not, not. Yeah. It just won't. <laughs> Dalvin, Dalvin uh, definitely did his thing. Uh, he's, I just, I can't put my my hand. He's just so difficult to tackle for some reason. Um, I don't know what it I is. I like People that player, by the way. I think he's got a, a bright future in the NFL, for what it's worth. He definitely does. Uh, he definitely does. He, he's, you know, can't say anything bad about that. Uh, been seeing the kid since, to be, to be honest with you, Emil, since his optimist days down here, his youth Little League days, um, has always been a very talented player. Obviously in high school was that, and he is now in college. You know, I'm going to get to see the whole trifecta, youth ball, well, well, quadfecta, if such a thing. Right, Football, right. High school ball, college football, NFL, you know, I fully expect him to uh, do that. But, you know, disappointing loss for Miami. You come down, you tie the game up despite the way you played in the second half, and then you get an extra point blocked. And that's the way you, you lose this game in this series. A tough pill to swallow. Now they've got to pick themselves up and go take on a North Carolina team that, as we talked about, Amo got their pants pulled down. They're going to get the best of North Carolina in this game. And, you know, in years past, I know it's a different staff, it's been difficult for Miami to get their act together after losing to Florida State. So this is going to – there's a big game coming up against North Carolina. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're ready to play. I I, I really – I knew that Rick would make them improve. We talked about that. I mean, I – People who don't understand, like you said, the effect of coaching, just they're missing, they're missing the boat, especially in football. Um, and I, I think he'll have them ready to play. He's, uh, he came from the SEC. He's used to playing in a conference where you lose games um, mm-hmm. and you have to come back the next week and play another good team and, and, and get ready to play. I think he'll know how to get this team ready to play, and I hope they prove me right. Yeah, we can only hope. Um, do you know? Don't forget that there's a mindset that has been in place and ingrained over the last few years with the last regime. That you know, we know Rick came from the SEC, but his players did not. Um, so he's got to really get it across to him. Whatever he knows and has in his head, he's going to need to get it across to those guys and and do it quick, fast, and in a hurry. Let's slide over to the Big Twelve. Only one game really worth talking about in this conference this past weekend. It was a short list of games. Texas and Oklahoma it was, um, I don't even know if I could say this, but Charlie Strong playing for his his coaching job in Texas and, you know, it was a it was a hard fought game, but once again, you know, you fired your defensive coordinator, but Texas still can't play defense and it ends up being a 45 to 40 game. This is so typical of the big, t- why is it so hard? To well, play but let's call it what it was. I mean, 
the only thing that kept Texas in this game was Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma turns the ball over four times. They're minus two overall because Texas had two turnovers themselves. Four turnovers, and, you know, when you get four turnovers and you lose, I mean, I'm stating the obvious, that's not good. Okay, Oklahoma had 672 yards of offense and still managed to score 45 points despite turning the ball over four times. This game is blowout city if they play anything close to a semi-clean game. So Texas, to me... Well, listen, Emil, I I coach defense, okay? And so I'm not one that thinks um, turnovers are just something that uh, the offense did. You know, sometimes turnovers... No, I'm with you. I'm with you. But come on, man. How how many... I understand that, but how much could they have done when they gave up 672 yards? I mean... Well, you know, that's Big 12 football, baby, in 2016. You better catch it. That's how it goes, man. If you ain't score, if if you don't have combined eighty points, get out of the conference. All right, both teams that play. Well, well I guess what I'm saying is, if you had, if you were a Texas supporter with the eleven and a half points, you were mighty happy. But this game was forty-two twenty-seven with about twelve minutes left. Texas got you some back end stuff to to come within the number. Good for you. But Charlie's got problems, and I think he needs to hire a real estate agent. If you want me to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I think Charlie will be fine. You know, he will be. He's got money in the bank. Fine. He's ready to move on. Look, four games in this yeah. conference this week. Um, you had one a total of 82 points scored. You have another one a total of 69 points scored. You have the Texas-Oklahoma game, um, 85 points scored. I don't know what TCU and Kansas was doing. They only scored 47 points. They may get a note from the league office. But uh, that's Big 12 football, man. That's how that thing goes down. Let's slide over to the Big Ten, though. Uh, <laughs> Amel. Listen closely. Hold on. Listen. What do you hear? Do you hear like another touchdown being scored by Michigan in this game against Rutgers? That's just absolutely ridiculous, my friend. Uh, Seventy-eight nothing. What do you? uh, Did we talked about this right? Yeah, but we missed that. You you hit it on the head with the Harbaugh thing the week before. For people who haven't paid attention, Ohio State played Rutgers at home and beat them fifty-eight nothing. They showed mercy on them. Well, Harbaugh went out and probably and said, well, wait a second, 58, I can top that. Although I give Harbaugh credit. He did say some stuff after the game where people were accusing him of running it up, and he said, I had my second team in, and we ran the ball every play. Mm. He went for two. <laughs> he went for two, I think, to make the game 43 nothing. Jim, why? Why, Jim? Yeah. Why well, did you do that? But, I mean, but listen, to be fair, is, Jim, is there, Jim has there ever been a more that. competitive college? Has there ever been a more competitive individual in sports than Jim Harbaugh? Maybe not, but he's an a-hole. Okay, going for two. But but here's the thing: you can't. Re- here's the final Michigan stats: they threw the ball 16 times in the game only, completing eight for 119 yards. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven kids carry the football in the game. 56 carries for 481 yards. You know what, Rutgers? Why don't you consider turning this into a club sport? But, my God, if you're not going to do that, can you please get the hell out of the Big Ten? You don't belong in the Big Ten. When you get beat not, 136 not to nothing, no, Amel, you don't but belong. Newsflash, newsflash, Amel, running the ball is what Michigan does. I mean, if they want to keep the score down, throw the ball. Michigan football right now, and the Jim Harbaugh is about carrying the football, rushing the football. Beating the living piss out of you. Uh, quite frankly, they should have. Listen, I'm. Look, let me stop because I'm not one for that. If you can blow me out, no. blow me out. And Michigan did just that. Uh, this crazy stat: 
Rutgers, all right, despite being losing a game 78 nothing and being down from the time the whistle was blown, was 2 of 18 for 5 yards in the game. Passing. My I, God. Well, I mean, you got to be fair. Michigan, that tuba player that got in that game, he doesn't get to play all the time. He wants to play oh, hard. Oh, Lord. Unbelievable, <laughs> man. Just an un, un, unbelievable game, 78 to nothing. Uh, I, why do I feel like Michigan is going to pay have next week? No. You know? Who do they have? Uh, I think Rutgers, I they're they canceled the season. Wasn't that what happened? No, they got <laughs> Illinois. Um, oh, okay. They can score <laughs> next week. There you go. Well, they may be able to score, but the last two weeks, here's the tally, 136 to nothing for Rutgers, okay? 136 to nothing. Good God almighty. Um, so there you go. Uh, looking around, uh, wasn't the greatest of weeks for the Big Ten in terms of uh, big marquee matchups, but the other game I want to talk about is BYU and Michigan State. Uh, this is a down year for Michigan State. That has become quite clear uh, as they lose 31 to 14 at home to BYU. What to make of Michigan State right now? Uh, well, they got they, you know it's not like first of all BYU in college game in the college game today they didn't go crazy offensively 398 yards of offense, uh, but Michigan State I mean what do you make of getting 206 yards of offense at home? I mean whew, that's brutal. Yeah, they're struggling. Brutal. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they're looking at this. Like maybe, okay, we're just down here, or they need to make uh, wide sweeping changes. I would probably say no to that. But um, you know, people are going to get loud there. You know, now the fact that they don't get big time recruiting classes like Michigan and Ohio State. I watch how all those things start coming on. Uh, and start becoming, start getting mentioned, start to become a problem. It wasn't a problem before, but uh, watch how those things come into into. Well, this year, it, what, what's concerning for me is not so much the overtime loss at Indiana. Those will happen from time to time in the conference, because you know you get a team like Indiana that's their big shot. Every once in a while, you're going to get bit like that. What concerns me for Michigan State is getting drubbed at home twice in the last three weeks, once by Wisconsin and, of course, the game you're speaking of, BYU, uh, walking into their building and just, you know, putting a boot to them. That concerns me. They can get, you know, they have Northwestern next week and then a trip to Maryland. Uh, Maryland got handled pretty easily against a very average Penn State team. So they've got two winnable games coming up to try to get a good feeling before that Michigan game, and uh, that's at home. I think we'll really find out if, if this is just a down year. If they play Michigan and get beat by like 40 points, I don't know if it's just sweeping changes. It might just be that they they're young and it's one of those years. And that happens, you know. Michigan State, they're right below that tier. I mean, for the last five years they've been in the top ten, but they're right below the tier of teams that reload. You know, they're not that kind of program. Sure, exactly. They don't have that exactly. kind of history. Sliding into your conference, the Pacific 12, we're talking about real quickly. Oh, I will allow you to. Did I hear yeah, it? I will allow you. No, thank you. You did. Your team is in it, and quickly. What are your thoughts on USC's 21-17 win over Colorado of the 21st-ranked Colorado Buffaloes? Well, I mean, obviously, at the beginning of the year, we wouldn't have said that about Colorado. But looking at what Colorado's done to date, it's a good win for the the club. I mean. I'm going to brag again. I told you before the year started that this kid was the kid that should have been playing quarterback. Did I not? Um, Helton made a first-year uh, mistake as a coach. He's a player's coach. He went with Matt, Max Brown, the redshirt junior, who waited his turn like a good, you know, good kid. Waited three years, so he said, "I'm going to let him start." The best player by everything I read all summer was this Darnell kid, uh, who ran, who was a scout team legend as a true freshman. 
He's a redshirt freshman. He lit it up. Now the kid's going to have to work on ball security. He threw a pick. He made a couple fumbles one time. He's a very good athlete with a rocket arm. Uh, he ran a ball, ball 18 yards into the end zone or so, I thought, and then he fumbled it at the one, went into the end zone for a touchback. So things like that kept this game close. But they moved the ball, 500 yards of offense against the top 20 defense coming into the game. So I'm happy with the direction now. I think they, they, might, they might turn their season around. So the, uh, they've, like, turned down the heat on Helton's seat? Uh, is, is that well, right? Well, I mean, you know, you, you, I think he's got a legit excuse. You know, he's gonna, you know, if you're questioning him and you're sitting down with Lynn Swan over a coffee, you're going to say, listen, I made a mistake. I should have been playing the young kid. They, they came home. They played Arizona State. Say what you want about Arizona State, but they're a 5-1 and one football team, and we'll talk about them. They beat UCLA. They, they handled Arizona State. If you go look at the box score from this game, they dominated the game as far as going up and down the field. Now, ball security is an issue, and as you said, you know, the defense can create some turnovers. It's not just that you gifted them, but, I mean, you know, fumbling going into the end zone, can't have that. Picks when you're up by 14 points and you're, you're up 14 nothing, and your defense is dominating, you can't have that. So, But that's fixable. Right. That's, that's stuff that a freshman quarterback does. But I feel like so you, let, me, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. Up to maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, so much criticism um, in the media by the fans about uh, the play calling and the offensive coordinator T. Martin. So now you go into this game against a ranked opponent, Colorado, and you put up 544 yards of offense. Uh, Mel, is he a good coordinator now? It's funny how that happens. Well, right. It, it wasn't. T- I never. You, you never heard me criticize T. Martin. My only concern was was Helton in over his head. Now, mm-hmm. it appears the team didn't quit on him. Obviously, so that's the first check. Check the box. Team didn't quit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. they don't want to change the coach. I mean, we both know that. We've talked about that. Right. How much of a setback that is. I mean, the last thing I think Lynn Swan wants to have to do is to fire Clay Helton, and he, and he might not have to. Helton has Arizona next week on the road, winnable game, comes home with Cal, winnable game, Oregon, eminently winnable game now. So he could be going into that Washington game 6-3. and three. Washington, UCLA, Notre Dame, and UCLA and Notre Dame are very beatable. So even if you lose that Washington game, if he closes this season 8-4, and four, winning whatever that would be, 7 out of 8 at the end of the year, and then wins a bowl game, he isn't getting fired. Matter of fact, he would actually be applauded by most logical USC fans if that's the way they finish the season. Right. Um, well, interesting to see how this moves going forward. You know, what's up for what's up next for USC? A game at Arizona, then a bye, and and then uh, you know two you know winnable games, and then you got that big time meeting with Washington, who we need to talk about. But before we yes. get to that, what's going on with Stanford? I mean, for the second week in a row, the Cardinal completely punched in the face. Is it? Do you think this is about they were totally shocked by what happened against Washington and couldn't get their act together against Washington State? Or uh, should we all now fear the Leachmeister up there in uh, Pullman, Washington? Yeah. Because, listen, yeah, look, hey, hold on now. Before you go, before you go poo-pooing this guy, 56-6 versus Idaho, all right, a decent FCS team. Then he comes back uh-huh. with a crushing 51-33 win against Oregon. Then he slaps Stanford in Palo Alto, 42 to 16. No, no, I'm not going to. I mean, the state of Washington state. is killing it right now. The state of Washington. You hit, yeah, they are, man. They really are. You hit two points in this. The first part, you said Stanford, and I don't think this was a function of Stanford being hung over. Here's what I think. I saw, and you can laugh all you want. When I watched the whole game when they played my team a couple weeks ago, and they beat them 27-10. 
Mm-hmm. Brown was playing quarterback that day, and if you taped me in my living room, the four-letter words coming out of my mouth, he just was not challenging their defense at all. I, I watched that game, and I said to my wife and my son-in-law sitting there, I said, listen, if Stanford doesn't have this McCaffrey kid, I'm not sure they can move the football. I mean, I think he ran for 160, 170 yards that day. Well, the last two games, two teams somehow figured this out. Like, hey, listen, uh, we just can't let this kid go off. We've got to make their quarterback beat us. And lo and behold, how many points did they score? Six against Washington. It's 16 against a, a team that's not known for defense, Washington State. And McCaffrey hasn't had 100 yards rushing or even close to it in either game. That's the problem with Stanford. They just really don't have the horses this year around him. They don't. Yeah, well, um, we'll just have to see where this goes. I, I Listen, the, the, the Pac-12 surprised me this weekend. Uh, the results coming out of there just really made me scratch my head and wonder, well, there's a shift going on there somewhere. Um, and the shift uh, accented by Washington Listen, we know Oregon's struggling. We know the whole Oregon, uh, can we call it franchise? We know the brand is, uh, you know, falling off there in, in, in Eugene. But, my God, Amos, 70 to 21. You, you text me on Saturday saying, hey, Washington's for real. I kind of got that feeling against Stanford. But, man, to come back and put up 70 points, this Peterson guy can coach, huh? He can coach some. He's in the right spot. Uh, you you called that a few years ago. He picked the right job. You know, half the, half the battle for a good coach in college sports is getting to a place where you're comfortable. I mean, he was up for a bu- bunch of jobs when he was ready to leave Boise, and you always said he doesn't belong in L.A. I think he picked a spot about as close to Boise as you can get. Um, pressure is low there. Uh, you know, they're thrilled to be winning again. I think that the 11 years, I think they lost 11 years in a row to Oregon. So that's a rivalry, believe it or not. Besides Washington State, Washington's other big rival has always been Oregon. They don't like each other, and you could see it in this game because they hung 70 points on them. I mean, they were like, hey, we're not stopping. You know what? You guys had fun all those years with your little Donald Duck uniforms. Oh, yeah. Up on us. Don't, don't, don't. Payback's a bitch. We're thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Washington goes out and a serious first aid kit opened up on these guys, 35 to seven at the half, and came out of the locker room and put up another 21 in that third quarter. Never looked back. Just uh, unbelievable what Washington is doing right now, and everyone up there should. Fit. These guys, Amel, might run the table. I mean, they might run the table and throw themselves they, in the number got, five they've got team a good, in the country. They've got a really good chance of, of doing that at this point. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they do it. Uh, Browning was throwing the ball well. He was 22 of 28 in this game. Um, Gaston, Gaskin is probably one of the best-kept secrets in college football because he's up there in the Northwest. People like to talk about Christian McCaffrey. Let me tell you something. Miles Gaskin uh, might be. I'm not saying he is, but he might be better. And he had uh, almost 200 yards rushing in this game for Washington. And th- that kid is a stud running back. They can play defense. I mean, there's there's a lot to like about this Washington team. Yeah, Washington and Washington State at the end of the year is going to be pretty interesting if both of these teams continue, um, you know, at the level that they're at right now. I'm not saying Washington State's as good as Washington, but you know how rivalry games go. Uh, Washington, if they continue on this course, are going to come into that game with a tremendous amount of pressure if they're undefeated. Um, you know, so that's going to be a very, very interesting game. Well, let me Finally, just say this, though. Over. You know, we're going crazy, you and I, over the results the last two weeks, and we should. But let's not forget, only three weeks ago, 
at Arizona. They had to go overtime to win. So, I mean, you know, there's ebbs and flows. I think confidence is building, though. Confidence is building. And so, you know, along with the play, they just believe at this point, and that's a powerful thing. Just ask Tennessee. Oh, no no doubt, but I circle the Utah game at Utah. I think that'll be a good test for them. Utah seems to get up when they're at home for those kind of games. Um, mm-hmm. Assuming USC continues their winning ways, they'll have they'll have the talent at USC to, to at least test Washington. I, I'm curious to see how that game goes. And then, of course, as you mentioned, uh, the season-ending game at Washington State should be interesting. So yeah, they could run the table, but they've got some tests in front of them. Don't make a, don't don't mark them in for 12 and 0 yet. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Sliding over now and finally ending with the SEC, the biggest game that went down this weekend was the one that wasn't played, and that was LSU and Florida. And there's been a tremendous war, Amol, going on on Twitter back and forth between LSU and Florida fans and Tennessee fans who obviously have a big interest in this game. Um, Listen, one of the talking heads, and you know, in this day and age, Amol, we have these things called bloggers. And now uh, we're in this era where bloggers can become famous um, you could be a no-talent-having hack and uh, open up a blog and become quite famous. And no one uh, has you know, demonstrated that better than Clay Travis, who's now a contributor to Fox Sports. He has a radio show on Fox Sports. Really came out spouting out of his mouth uh, about Florida, you know, running from LSU, being scared to play the game, whatever. Um, you know, I'd had enough, so I went and wrote my own article about Mr. Clay Travis, and you could find that on the Gridiron Studs blog, gridironstudies.com forward slash blog. I took Mr. Travis to uh, to task, and I don't know if I'm done with him or not. I may have to go in on round two, but as it stands. Um, Why don't you get him on the show? I'd love to interview him. With, I don't know how well that would go because, you know, I just I don't have much patience. He's like the Kim Kardashian of bloggers right now. I just don't – no talent – just wants to say controversial things and has just proven himself to be a complete Tennessee Volunteers homer. And you know what kills me is that, you know, Tennessee hadn't played their game against Texas A&M, and their fan base, uh, at least the ones on social media, exhibited a total lack of confidence in their team um, as they were just so hell-bent on, you know, having this LSU-Florida game played because they feel like Florida needs to lose that second game um, so that, you know, uh, they'll be all right because we fully, in the back of our minds, expect Tennessee not to win their games. I think they should have had more faith in them. Just to sum things up, Florida wanted to continue to have the game at noon um, uh, on on Saturday as it was planned. And as you know, Hurricane Matthew was on its course, and LSU was you know up in arms about it. Why are we having the game uh, at this time with a hurricane coming? And then uh, later on, they put pressure on uh, Jeremy Foley, the AD for Florida, and even the state senator, because he's got nothing else to do in Louisiana, decided to send a note to uh, to AD Jeremy Foley about you know the virtues of playing the game uh, at noon. Suddenly, uh, when other options started to be considered about moving the game, perhaps to later in the day, or uh, perhaps you know postponing it, suddenly. Uh, LSU was up in arms about that being done. So you didn't want the game played at noon. Then you had a problem with it being postponed. Well, where are you at? Nevertheless, uh, the game isn't Well, I don't know the bylaws. We talked about this Friday. I don't know the bylaws of the conference or pretend to know how it works. But I would think, like, if you have a commissioner, it's like having one for the NFL. You know, when you have a problem, the commissioner makes a ruling. I don't see how – and I know LSU is going to whine about their schedule. But at the end of the day, 
I don't see how you can miss a conference game and not cancel those November 19th games and just play this game. I just really don't get that, really. Well, uh, listen, here's the latest news, um, and this comes from the aforementioned Clay Travis. Don't know how true this is. You've got to take this with a grain of salt. But uh, he's saying he's hearing that LSU versus Florida may happen on November 19th. LSU, who's scheduled to play South Alabama on that day, would instead play them on the 29th, which I think is an open date for them. And then Florida would play uh, the Church Presbyterian on the 22nd, which is their open date, uh, and and you know could handle it that way. Uh, so we'll see. So wait, Florida uh, would play a game three days later? No, no, no. Uh, October 22nd. You know, oh, okay. I thought you said I was like, I was like yeah. I'm, sorry if I didn't make that. Sorry if I didn't make that clear. No, <laughs> a day night doubleheader. No, Florida <laughs> has an open date, October 22nd, and they would instead, you know, since they had an open date this weekend, take on Presbyterian on that date. And, yeah, you can't uh, that would start canceling conference games in college football. I mean, if it, it, it gets That's so silly that, that no doubt. Yeah, you just can't say, oh, well, hey, the hell with it. We'll, we'll all go play our November 19th games, and we'll just miss the LSU-Florida game. You just – it doesn't work that way. You can't. Yeah, well, so we'll see We'll see where, in fact, this ends up going. But let's talk about, well, another thriller, another absolute thriller from the – the University of Tennessee has provided so much must-see TV in college football over the last few weeks. It's just outrageous. What they've done alone – has killed anything we've seen in the NFL thus far this season. So it was another thriller. I I watched this game and just marveled at Tennessee's ability to not die. They had so many opportunities. Uh, listen, we're you and I are in our 40s, and we totally remember Friday the 13th. And I don't care what you did to Jason. You stabbed him. You shot him. You set him on fire. Yeah. You hit him with a chainsaw. And he'd just keep walking back out of the lake to terrorize you. And this is exactly what Tennessee did to Texas A&M and their fans on Saturday. Um, you know, look, if you haven't seen it, Texas A&M took a two-touchdown lead late in the game. It should have been over. Tennessee came back, scored a touchdown to come within, a, you know, a, a one score. And then Texas A&M rips off another long run once again to go up. They're about on their way to going up two touchdowns. And really, at this point, essentially ending the football game, Tennessee's quarterback makes uh, cornerback makes a run for his life, punches the ball out right at the one-yard line. It goes through the end zone. Touchback. Tennessee gets the ball. Of course. Of course, Amelie, go down the field, score, tie the game, and it goes to overtime. It's just absolutely unbelievable, and that was not enough. Before they even went to overtime, Texas A&M got the ball, went down there, clearly in field goal range, kicker for Texas A&M, comes nowhere close to making it. Game goes to overtime. It was one of the, one of the most thrilling games I'd ever seen. Well, can we agree on a couple of things in this game, Mr. Defensive Coordinator? Tennessee turned the ball over seven times, and some of those were, like, not caused by the Texas A&M defense. They just, like, said, here, here's a fumble. Can we agree on that? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's voodoo at this point. You just believe Tennessee is going to come back, so you just help them with that. I believe in that. Well, but here's the thing I was impressed with. Where I'm going with that in this game, if if I was more impressed in defeat with Tennessee than I was with Texas A&M in victory, and that doesn't usually happen, I I wasn't impressed with their sloppiness. I will say that. They need to obviously clean that part of their game up. But I think when I looked at these two teams on the field together as the game wore on, Tennessee's got better players. I mean, I was impressed with the talent level at Tennessee, and the reason I'm going here is the next two weeks are interesting. Tennessee plays Alabama, 
and then Texas A&M plays Alabama. And I dare say I think Tennessee has a better chance of beating Alabama now than Texas A&M after watching that game. What I saw from A&M, there's just if, some if they things can that pull themselves me. together, yeah, if they could pull themselves together mentally after you know um, a very disappointing loss, um, then they, you know they very well might. I mean, Alabama um, had some sloppy areas in that 49-30. I've never seen someone so displeased after a win as I saw Nick Saban on Saturday night. Uh, after the game against Arkansas, I'm only sure on that on the garbage. There's a garbage 25-yard completion to end the game around midfield or a little after that. There, he's walking off the field. He just won a road game in the SEC against a decent team by three touchdowns, and he's slamming the headset. <laughs> he, but you know what? The man gets it. I don't. You don't need me to tell you that. You don't need me to tell you that. But he gets it. Like that right there. Um, it's going to work against Arkansas. might not work on the road against Tennessee. So let's not even engage in that. Let's not make that a habit. He gets it. Um, he's so much like Belichick in that regard. Um, it's little things that lead to wins and, and losses. So they were a little sloppy in that game, and now they're heading to Tennessee. Get sloppy late in a game against Tennessee and watch what happens. I saw that with my own two eyes in that very stadium they're going to play on Saturday. So. Yeah, A&M is going to have a tough time going to Bama and beating them. They're going to have a a difficult Um, time. Yeah, there's a whole round robin. There's a lot of mental that's going to go into those things. So let's first, let's just see what happens uh, this week in Tennessee and and, uh, and Alabama. I mean, that's going to be a very interesting, that's going to be a fight to the death. Okay, an extreme oh, yeah. fight to the death. Yeah, so that's going to be very, very interesting. All right, listen, we've uh, we've talked about mostly everything we need to talk about in college football. So NFL is up next, and uh, we'll be doing that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. 
Take control of your future. GridEyeStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. Wicked tones, you know. What? Metro Boomin wants some more, nigga. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Yeah, run and hide, folks. Run and hide. NFL. Tom Brady is back. He's gunning for your team and Roger Goodell. No telling what he's going to come up with next. But it's Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino back here on the Gridiron Stud Show Weekend Wrap Edition. Uh, we've just completed what is that? Week six of the NFL season. Five. Week five. Don't my, push it. Don't push it forward too far. Sliding this thing along, man. I'm, I'm just moving it. We talked already about uh, Tom Brady's day. Uh, you know, you expected it. I expected it. Don't know that I expected it quite like this. Were you? Were you expecting 406 yards and three touchdowns? Zero. Well, about 406 like yards, but I was expecting him to light it up, and he did exactly what I expected. He did, you know, took the foot off the gas. I think he was at 270 or 280 at halftime, really on pace for 500-plus yards passing. Um, it was the Browns, so they didn't fight back. So, you know, kind of took the foot off the gas. They didn't do the Harbaugh thing. If it was Jim Harbaugh at the controls, 600, 700 yards passing, and they you know, ride their way all the way to 50, 60 points against this NFL franchise known as the Browns. Um, but let's talk about the local football team down here. I think people have finally had it. Um, you know, the Dolphins are, are a disaster. Let's call it what it is. Right now they're sitting at 1-4, and four, their only win being against, uh, you know, about this, against this team that we just talked about here that got slapped in the mouth, the Cleveland Browns. And so this is basically an 0-5 football team that's getting ready to take on the Steelers. And, you know, the noises around Ryan Tannehill, you and I have not been big supporters. Don't think this guy should have been taken this high. I really think that's kind of sunk his battleship. Um, if he had been a second or third round pick, I think it would have been less pressure. But the truth of the matter is the Dolphins as a whole, just not right. They're not playing well defensively. They can't run the football, can't throw the football, can't do anything. I mean, should I queue up? Well, if it's playoffs, go ahead. Yeah, we've no, we flat sucked. We couldn't run the ball. Oh, I thought you were going to give me the old, like somebody asked if the Dolphins can still make the playoffs. Playoffs? No, no forget about forget about playoffs. Uh, this team. I mean, is a fight here's what to has to be a little disconcerting, right. though. If you're the Dolphins, it's not like Tennessee came in here and did anything fancy. Matter of fact, lost in this story as we talk about how much the Dolphins suck. Demarco Murray has refound himself in Tennessee, getting out of Philadelphia. Um, he's second in the league in rushing, coincidentally behind Ezekiel Elliott of his former team, the Cowboys. Murray with 93 carries on the season for 461 yards, five yards a carry. He goes for 121 yesterday against the Dolphins. The Dolphins allow 235 yards rushing. That has to be. Didn't they spend a whole bunch of money a couple of years ago on some guy named Sue? Yeah, how about that? That was widely criticized, not getting it done. Um, and then on top of that, you let Mariota go three touchdowns, zero interceptions in a game. It's just all the way bad, Emil. I mean, right now. This is going to be, um, uh, I hate to say this, this is going to be a battle between Miami and Cleveland for that number one pick. So don't see how Miami's turning this around. They're talking about bringing in Matt Moore for Ryan Tannehill. And Tannehill's existence well, as, a, as a Miami Dolphin may be coming to an end here. 
Well, you know what? The Dolphins were on a run for a while there where every year it seemed like in the top ten they picked an offensive lineman. It obviously hasn't worked. They allowed six sacks yesterday. You know, I'm not a fan of Tannehill, but it's hard to play quarterback in this league when you're constantly getting hit. I mean, you just get gun-shy. The guy gets dropped, and he's a pretty nimble guy. He's a pretty good athlete. He gets dropped six times yesterday. So I I, I didn't watch the game. I'd hate to imagine how many times he was actually hit in this football game. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I know. And you did mention it, but, you know, a lot of that, too, is he's holding the damn football so long. I mean, I I, I saw several of these where he's just sitting there patting it and patting it, but get the ball out. Get the ball out. Get it out of your hand. Throw it in completion. Throw it into the ground. Don't take those hits. Don't take those sacks. Don't take those negative plays. Make a decision with the ball. That's something that's been his biggest problem. Just can't make a decision with the football. Find someone open. Yeah, well, throw the ball away. Throw it in the ground. Let's let's get second and ten going here. They got problems on you know just both sides of the ball. Uh, they're just a bad team right now, and I don't know how they turn around. Like you said, Pittsburgh comes in next week. That that doesn't promise to get any easier for them. I mean, Pittsburgh really found themselves the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, they could be I mean, staring another the blowout three. loss. In the here's, the, here's the next three. You're playing the Steelers. God help you with that. Then you're playing the Bills, who are playing good football ever since they crazily fired the offensive coordinator. Then you got to buy. Then you got the Jets. You know, the only place I think you could find some wins, you do play, you know, San Diego, but that's on the road. And you are going to get the 49ers. Other than that, Emil, I'm not seeing it here for them at all. I'm, not, I'm just not seeing it. You, you got the Ravens, the Cardinals, Jets, Bills, and Patriots. To end the, you end the, well, here, here, the, here's your hope next Patriots. week if you're a Dolphin fan. The Steelers come to town, and their next two games after they play you are home with the Patriots at the Ravens. You hope the Steelers come to town without their full focus on the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, maybe somehow you hang in that game and, and, and turn your season around with an upset win. But, you know... I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Yeah, um, so it's all the way bad for the Miami Dolphins right now, and I don't, you know, I don't know that it can get worse. And you know, when I say that, you know, something jumps out. You know, I was disappointed in Amel, and not just because I had them as a pick. The, what the, the Los Angeles Rams? Come on, man! What was that yesterday? What was that? You, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. That they come out well, and play the game. Well, first like of that. all, you've always been a much bigger fan of Case Keenum than I am. You know, I mean, I've I, I've read some good articles breaking him down this year, and 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 Merrick on the Rams blog, I, I, their site uh, that they have, on Bleacher Report, I think it was, and, and those guys who have watched him play more than I have are just not big fans this year. Now he wasn't the problem yesterday. He really wasn't, uh, other than he threw two picks. Other, <laughs> I mean, he was 21 of 31. He was averaging 8.7 an attempt, but when you're not protecting the football, that's a problem. When you're getting your quarterback sacked four times, that's a problem. When your stud mm-hmm. running back has three yards of carry, Todd Gurley has been having a rough year so far after a, a, a wonderful rookie season. I don't know if it's the blocking up front or what the deal is, but Gurley this season, sit down for this because you know how good this guy is. He's getting mm-hmm. 2.7 yards an attempt this season. That's yeah. I mean, that's bad. I mean, that's not going to get it done. Not when you no, have a no, guy. No, Keenum can't no carry doubt. your team. Uh, but he's they not, were getting yeah. they were getting it done. And just you know, the Bills coming in there off of a shutout win over the Patriots. 
it just looked like this is a game the Los Angeles Rams should have won, and they just completely took a dump. So it seems they were more giddy about their win over the Cardinals than the Bills were over the Patriots. So uh, I read, wow. I read put it that on their, one. Put it on that vaunted defense, Chad, because at the end of the day, the Bills didn't do anything in the passing game. Uh, Taylor was a pedestrian, 50% of his completion rate, 112 or 120-some yards. The Bills ran it for almost 200 yards, 7.1 yards an attempt. Uh, the Rams talk about that front four. Uh, it doesn't look that didn't look too special yesterday. No, no, not at all. Uh, so you know, allow me to express my disappointment uh, on that. Um, the Falcons. Now, you weren't too high on the Falcons a couple of weeks ago. You care to change that? They go into Denver and totally handle uh, the Broncos. I do need to say this, Amol, and I, you know, I neglected to text this to you because I thought I'd bring it up here on the show. Paxton Lynch looks like a quarterback that's in the NFL. Let's see how much in tune you and I are. Can you tell me who Paxton Lynch resembles as a quarterback? Someone else playing in the NFL? Right now? Yeah. The guy's the guy's currently playing? Uh someone hmm. that's on an NFL roster right now. Hmm. I don't know. I was going to say somebody like Dan McGuire, Mark McGuire's brother, because he's about six foot seven, like this guy. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's not the stature. It's the style of play. And well, Paxton Lynch right now looks so much like the Colin Kaepernick we were up in arms about. I mean, every play turns into a complete scramble drill. There's no rhythm to nothing, not staying within the framework of the offense. He drops back, and it's runaround time. Hey, everybody, get open. It looks like it looks like recess. After lunch out there, and just get open. Well, I told you a few, I told you a few weeks ago when we were on a different subject. I told you how I, on on draft night when I heard that my team was trying to trade up to get him, I had to be restrained in my living room because we thought we were going to need a new TV set because they started the rumors that they're trying to trade up and because I just didn't like the player. Now it's only one game, so that doesn't mean I'll be right and John Elway will be wrong. He's usually right, but. I didn't like the player. I mean, he played in a weak conference. He played at Memphis. He, I, I, I didn't like the fact that he was six foot seven because you know, it's, it's, I don't know. There's just he was a tall, skinny guy that had a good year at Memphis, and I was like, I don't know. This this guy scares me a little bit. And yesterday, in his first start, he looked like a rookie. Now we're going to give him some sl- cut him some slack there, but yeah, he does resemble Kaepernick. At least yesterday he did in the way he played. It was it was oh, it was he a looked like it drill. when he came in last week. Um, and I just said to myself, all right, maybe that's just coming in. Maybe you weren't really prepared uh, to be in this game. That could happen. As as crazy as that sounds, it could happen. But then you had a whole week to prepare, and this is exactly how you look like again. So, so you know, it's one of those things where you have the athletic ability, and we, you know, I almost wish you didn't have it. Sit in that pocket, find guys, and go from there. You've got Demarius Thomas. You've got Sanders. Um, you've got guys you can put the ball to. Stop running around with the damn football, man. Throw it. The ball moves faster I'll tell you what's impressive like. this year so far is, is uh, the way the Falcons have improved their blocking up front, and now they've got these two guys. You know, they got that nice combo going with Freeman and Coleman. They can run the ball on you. Uh, you know, they're protecting Matt Ryan so he, so he doesn't have to play chuck and duck all day. And, uh, the, you know, when you got Julio Jones outside, who's an absolute monster, uh, they become a tough team to defense. And after they lost that opener to, to Tampa Bay, where they didn't play. I mean, listen, they're not. They don't play much defense 
in Atlanta, let's be honest. I mean, yesterday was more a function of they faced a rookie quarterback who isn't ready to be an NFL starter right now. I mean, you look at their games, they're going to have to outscore people all year. I mean, they beat the Raiders 35-28, the Saints 45-32, 48-33 last week. Uh, I'll be curious to see what happens in Seattle against a rested Seahawks team next week. Um, you know, that that offense going against that defense, that's going to be a game that, uh, you know, I certainly uh, I'll have my uh, finger on the controller next week because it's at the same time as the Cowboys Packers. I'll be going back and forth on that one. Yeah, as much as I, you know, um, you know, much as I said about Paxton Lynch, um, you know, it can't be lost that Atlanta went down there in the first drive and went straight down the football field. Um, so, you know, their offense is clicking right now. I do need to say this, that Von Miller, my goodness, you know, you want to talk about someone living up to a contract? You just can't block that guy. It's ridiculous. No, uh, what, he's what a beast. He does he's unbelievable. I mean, that guy's one of the unbelievable, just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Best, uh, for my money right now, as much as people, and he's hurt, of course, people like talk about J.J. Watt. For, for me, Miller's the best defensive, defensive player in the league. Got to be. Got to be right now. Um, just you getting your money's worth with that guy, and he makes everyone else better around him with the pressure that he brings. And the final game we'll talk about before we run through the picks that we uh, made this weekend. Um, the Eagles finally dropped when Carson Wentz comes back down to earth a little bit. Amy, I mean, he didn't play that bad in the game. Twenty-five of no, 3, 2, no, he didn't. Um, he threw a late interception that killed a drive, but um, wasn't bad there. You know what? I think the Eagles are going to sh- – the Eagles' problem right now offensively is they don't have a legit running back. I mean, Ryan Matthews is – he's always hurt, and he's not a guy that you can work off right now. And, you know, Sproles is going to be able to do something here and there, but they don't have a reliable running game. And I'm just thinking now, going forth, how much is that going to hurt Philadelphia? Well, I noticed that yesterday. I was going to mention that to you, and I wanted to save that for the show. <clears throat> exactly what you just said. I mean, they, they pop a couple runs here and there where on third and two they'll they'll spread you out and they'll slip the ball to Sproles and it'll rip off 10 yards. But right now that's a little bit of a function of there's not a lot of film on Doug Peterson as a head coach. So So teams are getting a feel for the way he likes to do his stuff, and then they adjust and you adjust back. My concern, if I'm the Eagles offensively, is if you look at that team, everything runs through Sproles right now. And as good as Sproles is, he's in his 30s. I mean, you know, you start to wonder, you know, if he ever went down. I mean, they don't have much outside. Uh, Wentz showed his rookie his rookie play on that last interception. There was no need to force that ball. Matter of fact, when he cut it loose, I figured it was going to be a walk-in touchdown because he threw the ball with such conviction that I said there must be a guy because I can't see it on TV till the camera moves. I'm saying there must be a guy running free down the field. You're down three. You only need a field goal in the NFL. These guys routinely make 50-yard field goals, so you've got to get to the Detroit 33-yard line, and you've got over a minute left in the game, which is an eternity in the NFL. So I don't, you know, that was where he 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 got impatient and acted like a rookie. The thing I wanted to point out with the Eagles that I thought you would find interesting, and you may have seen on the game yesterday. Their defense, right? Would you say it's improved? Number two in the league in yards allowed, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know how many plays they faced last year per game? They put this up yesterday with Chip Kelly. I'm going to beat up Chip for a while now. Oh, Lord. Yeah, go ahead. Have your have your Chip moment. 72 plays a game they faced last year. Same players, basically, right? You know how many mm-hmm. plays a game they're facing this year? Lay it on me. 
53. Now, anybody who's listened to the show know that you and I said this two and a half years ago. We said this will not work. You know, people laugh at you because Chip Kelly's a genius and two putzes are on the radio saying that he can't go. It's just math. You can't have NFL teams face 72 offensive plays a game for a 16-game schedule and expect them to not break down. Yeah, I mean, let's wait and see what happens uh, in in San Francisco. I mean, they're not even winning right now. I mean, just wait till the season, you know, flows along here. It might even get worse. Right. No, it's 100%. And, you know, the Eagles are improved because Peterson understands that everything ties together. He played in the league. He gets how football fits together. He calls the game or, or, you know, I don't know how they run their offense. I have to admit, I don't know if he's calling plays or what they're doing. But at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, he manages the game to understand that my offense is going to affect my defense. And in doing that, he's made the Eagles a much better defensive team. And, you know, I think they're legitimately going to be a good team all year after watching them. I mean, I don't know if they're going to win the division or not, but I think they're going to be a competitive, good football team all year. Yeah, um, but uh, the, the running game is an issue. Um, and, they, you know, it, perhaps folk um, – you know, defensive coordinators are going to start to realize some things and play on that whole fact. And then how, too, are you going to be able to salt games away uh, when you do have leads late in the game if you can't really just run the ball when you want to? So just something to keep an eye on. All right, let's talk about our picks. It was another, uh, starting with the NFL, it was another not-so-good weekend for me there as uh, I ended up going uh, one and two once again. I talked about the Rams' disappointment, thought they were good for it uh, as a small favorite at home. You know what, Emil? When the game was less than three, it should have sent me a little message. Totally missed that whole idea. So, took a long Yeah, well, you know, the Bills, ended up, the Bills eventually ended up favored in this football game. Yeah, late money uh, came in. You know, all the big guys, the pinky uh, ring guys came in and, uh, you know, took all – took. Took the game all the way over to Bills being a favorite. I guess they knew something. Uh, they had a cousin yes. down in the sports books. <laughs> they had a cousin in the sports books uh, down right. in Las Vegas, whatever the hell. Whatever the spiel is. Uh, the Giants are uh, a train wreck right now. They, too, have absolutely no running game. And without a running game, Eli Manning is a disaster, uh, to use Donald Trump's favorite word. They are, he's a disaster as a quarterback without a running game. I just got to lay that out there. Um, absolutely have to have that. I know what the Giants are going to be looking for in their next draft. They better be looking for it. Uh, can't get their act together off of a loss in Green Bay. They go and can generate nothing offensively um, and come up uh, taking an L against a Packers team who essentially had two uh, bye weeks um, and and just couldn't get it done. My lone Both my lone winner. I really had to hurt you. Don't they hurt six and a half when you get six and a half? Yeah. Um, totally. Totally. So well, you know what? Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was my line on that game? Let's take a look at this late development. Yeah, check here. your line. I mean, I saw six and a half was the ending line, but I don't know what you gave yeah, it I out think at. I, I, think I could swear it was seven points. Seven. Seven. So hey, yeah, it was about seven that? when you gave it out. Yeah. I will take that. One, one, and one I end up on the weekend because my lone winner was the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and I had to work for that one, you know, believe it oh, or not. Oh, you had to work uh, for that. They, they made you Yeah, I had to work. I, I, yeah, I had to do some serious work on that. The Colts came out meaning business. They played a good game. But, you know, they don't play any kind of defense. So they let Chicago keep getting back in the game. But, you know, late field goal um, uh, helped me out on that one. So I do end up one, one, and one. Not as bad as I thought there. No, I was one, one and two. Um, 
yeah, I was one and two. You know, the Houston Texans disclosed to us we didn't talk about this game exactly what they are this year. They're three and two, and they're probably the best team in the worst division of football in the AFC South because it's not the fact that they've lost to the Patriots and Vikings. You can deal with losses on the road to the Patriots and Vikings. That's not the problem. They were non-competitive in those games. If you remember mm-hmm. the debacle against New England was twenty-seven nothing. I grabbed them with seven in this game, figuring. They have a good defense. They'll show some pride. They got drilled. The final score was 31-13, and frankly, it wasn't even that close. So that was a disaster for me. Another word was stolen from our friend Donald Trump. Then we had the New York Jets getting seven, and for a while I felt really good about this game. Middle of the third quarter, it was 17-13. The Jets looked very competitive, and they just – the Steelers – throttled their offense the entire you know last quarter and a half of this game and pulled away late. Steelers won 31-13. I take a loss there. Um, and then my only win, and let me tell you something, it's beautiful, Chad. It's going to be beautiful <laughs> when I give out more picks like this, okay? It's going to be beautiful. No more disasters. It's going to be beautiful. A double whammy I took the for Detroit, you. <laughs> I took the Detroit Lions plus three. I just felt they were asking a lot of Philly to you know go to be a road favorite of a field goal or more. Uh, I was right. Even if they didn't win the game, they were covering the entire time. And, he, and you know, it was a 23-21 game when they kicked a field goal. So this was a, a nice win for us there. Uh, again, one and two. My record on the year in the NFL, six and nine. You're at six wins, eight losses with one push. Well, we need to polish that up a little bit. Hey, listen, it is extremely difficult, okay, to 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 pick NFL games these days, okay? Unless you have a cousin in the sports books. <laughs> <laughs> down in right. Las Vegas, making the lines. It is extru- yeah, yeah, making baking the lines. Um, it's extremely difficult to pick these games because they come down. Uh, they come down to you know uh, the end. You know, it's just it's just so very difficult. You know what else was a little bit of a disaster this weekend? Uh, you know, I'm looking at this right now. It was our fantasy focus for crying out loud. We just didn't get it done there either. Um, let's let's go back and forth. Talking about that, and I'll, you know, I'll help you out with the numbers on it in terms of you know what we were able to do. But you and I both picked disasters at quarterback. I picked Case Keenum. Uh, he ended up with um, throwing some late interceptions in the game. I think he threw he did throw a touchdown, I believe. Um, but so far as Fanduel is concerned, um, he ended up with eight point eight points on the day uh, as a quarterback. Never good uh, when your when your quarterback pick can't get into double digits. So I went a little economical there with the quarterback, and it bit me in the rear end. Uh, eight point eight points is what I came up with. Your pick though, I know the only thing was. that makes me yeah, well, yeah, talk about that really quick. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, there's not much I can say. I just drilled the guy for ten minutes before I took Tannehill. I mean, I figured here comes Tennessee in town. Not exactly a good pass defense. I figured the Dolphins were going to have some pride and win this game, actually. Silly me. Uh, He was just a disaster, as the whole team was. He holds the ball, as you said. You couple that with the offensive line. I mean, they're not the seven blocks of granite. And, uh, yeah, he was just – forget about it. (laughs) I don't know. What what was his final point total? uh, 5.6. Uh, was his total, so just really, really bad uh, for both of us on that one. Not as bad, though, as my running back pick, Jeremy Hill, who I I thought would get some work against the Cowboys. No, 1.2 fantasy points. I don't know how much I even want to talk about that. That's as bad a pick as you can get. You just, you know, never know what the Bengals are going to do. I thought they were on board with Jeremy Hill to end up, you know, 
using Giovanni Bernard more in the game. And when the game got away from him, then just the whole running the ball thing got away. And that's some of the dangers with a running back sometimes. So um, your Cowboys team greatness took Jeremy Hill out of the game 1.2 points for me. Wow. And, and who's my back? Remind me. Todd Gurley. Yeah, well, I drilled him a few minutes ago, too. Yeah, no, he had a he had a decent day by fantasy point standards, not 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 the biggest, but you know a heck of a lot more than what I did. He ends up with sixteen point three points, um, in in you know in their yeah, in their but comp- I mean you know you, I was I was taking Gurley with the expectation that he would be a stud in that game. I I just I thought they would they would really to be honest with you be able to run the ball much better. You know he he seems to. I don't know what's going on there. I'm going to have to really pay attention to their next game and try to figure out if it's blocking, if it's him. I don't understand it because this, that guy is just too good of a football player to be doing what he's doing right now. Yeah, you know, it has to be. But why do you think he would be big time in this game? Because I'm not a big believer in Case Keenum. I thought they'd try to get Gurley uncorked. I mean, he was struggling the first three or four games of the year. I'm a, I'm a big Todd Gurley fan when he was coming out of college. I really felt that, you know, this is a guy who's a great running back and has a potential to have a nice long NFL career. So I just I, I thought this was the week he goes off. The Bills keep just beat the Patriots. I figure they they go out to La La Land, hit the strip club Saturday, and then be giddy. <laughs> well there, well there you go on that one. Uh, so that's that was that. Wide receiver. Um, I decided to go with Quincy. I mean, I you know tried to tried to pull a fast one here. Tried to go find someone in the dirt. You know, we do have that that restriction, and uh, I go, end up going with Quincy and Nomo. I told you I liked the name Quincy. I didn't like this Quincy. Yeah. Ends up with six point five points on the day. A total train. I think Quincy Jones really- had more points. To be honest with you, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, we might have to research that because you could be right. So all to be told, uh, the Jets, um, you know, Fitzpatrick was not bad. He went more to Brandon Marshall. Why not? That's your primary receiver. Didn't see, uh, didn't see it fit to go to Enumwa enough. So I end up with 6.5 points on that. Doing the math on it, I end up on the day with those three with that trifecta, a total of 16.5 points. You know, as dreadful as your day was. You end up beating me, by and large, because of what happened at the running back position. What did Mr. Salsa do? I didn't even look him up yet, because last night I was too busy watching that train wreck of a debate. What what, what, what did Salsa do? You got a fat goose egg. Okay, you got a fat goose egg. Did nothing. Nice. Nice. Did nothing in ever. We hope to be better in this next week, folks. But uh, even though your your wide receiver garnered you zero points, you still end up beating me this week, twenty one point nine to sixteen point five points. So you're one and zero in this whole uh, fantasy focus. And folks, we vow we cannot be worse. So we vow at this point in time to be better for you next week. Let's end this up real quick with college. Don't want to go deep into it. Uh, I had three picks. I did go two and one. I'm you know you know I'm a I'm a college football guy. So I go two and one. My only loser was Maryland. Couldn't get the job done against Penn State. Not ready for the big dogs. They got kicked off the porch. Uh, Iowa came up with a win. Not as impressive as I thought it would be, but they did nevertheless cover the point spread. Two-point favorite. They go beat Minnesota 14-7. And the biggest and most impressive and easiest thing uh, that went on for me this weekend was Auburn as they punched Mississippi State in the mouth from the word go. Drove down there in the first series, scored a touchdown, then scored again and kept scoring. Win 38-14 cover for me there. So 2-1 and one on the day for me there. I think that makes me 10 and eight on the season, if I'm not ten mistaken. Ten You're ten and eight, and I w- I did your NFL deal on college. I was one one and one. Uh, I took a push mm-hmm. on that A and M game. Uh, frankly, 
at looking at the second half of that game, I'm happy to have gotten a push. Fumble out of the end zone or not, I mean, that, that Tennessee team was coming like a, a, a snowball down a hill. So I took the mm-hmm. tie there. My uh, loss was on USC, a game they really should have covered. Juju Smith, by the way, catches a ball with a minute left and falls down like he's supposed to when he had a clear path yeah. to the end zone. Only I me. know. I thought about uh, you that's on a that. loss. And then I took Arizona State at home at the time, getting 10. That line went down by game time, but it doesn't matter. They won outright over uh, our friends from UCLA. So one, one, and one. So uh, yeah, what what do you what do you seven wins, ten losses with that push hanging out at the end there. So got to polish up, huh? Yeah, really. You got to get on, man. You got to get on. You'll get hot though, as you do every year. So I'm not worried about it. Your job is safe. Um, Okay, thanks. Thanks, boss. <laughs> All right, before we go, let's get our man Les on here. We we're gonna we gotta give Les a good thirty, forty five seconds here. Sorry, Les, man, we had so much to talk about. We'll throw you in here, man. Really quick, what are your thoughts on uh the way things went down? Uh, <clears throat> locker room talk bullshit. Yeah! Les. Oh! <laughs> All right, here we go. Arizona State gave me a good win versus UCLA. Washington handled their business like I expect them to. Uh, Miami, uh, that quarterback needs to repolish himself. Go lock yourself in the locker room. <laughs> Get a chin, son. Get a chin, dog. Tannehill we're talking about? No. No, he's talking, talking about, about the Miami that. Hurricanes quarterback, I think. Yeah, we're talking about yeah, that dude. Right. That dude. It a rough physical hey, yeah, football whatever. game. What do you want? Yeah, rough physical. Man, football. listen. Hey, that Cook kid is the best running back. That Walker kid is probably the best D tackle in college football. Uh, they show why they should be uh, NFL first-round draft picks. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I like the Atlanta Falcons this week. I figured Denver was going to do, uh, you know, lay an egg. Um, Detroit surprised me. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I took the point. Yeah, you were surprised in a good the way. They played They played tough yesterday. The, Ly- the Lions um, showed some heart in that game. Well, you know, Matthew Stafford wants to play when he wants to play. I mean, that guy, I don't even understand why he's as high as a draft pick that he was because, I mean, with all the talent around him that he had – I mean, the guy still couldn't produce. I mean, you lost the Les, Let me ask you something real quick. You you liked Atlanta last week. Do you think, uh, as the season wears on, do you think Denver's asking a little too much of their defense? It seems like the plan in Denver this year is much the same way it was at the end of Peyton Manning's career last year. Is, you know, let's just hope the offense doesn't screw up and we're going to try to win these games 20-13. to 13. Do you think that's well, going like, to wear on Denver? Like Chad said, I mean, if you got a quarterback – but the minute he takes a snap, he's out there running around with his head cut off like a, you know, like Donald Trump. Um, but I mean, Man. I can't see I can't see the defense holding up the whole season, um, playing against teams that's gunning for him because they are the NFL, you know, champions. Uh, you can't win like that. Well, does I mean, either I one of when's, when's Simeon coming up. back? Does anyone know that? When's he coming back? They need him back. When 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 is that supposed to happen? I think it's week to week. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't. I think it's one of those things of how much pain he can tolerate. So you know, it could be next week. I, from what I understand, I, I didn't hear him being out for any, you know, scheduled protracted period of time, unless you know, unless yeah, I Paxton Lynch so. needs this. He needs to sit and watch and be made to understand that you need to work in the framework of an offense, especially. Um, you know, one like Gary Kubiak's very rigid offense. He's going to need to learn how to sit in there and go through his progressions. Uh, before I let you go, Les, seventy-eight nothing well, over Rutgers. What 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 are your thoughts on that? 
I mean, I don't have no comment. Ruck, who the hell is Rutgers? <laughs> I mean, well, I, I, looked, well, I looked at I looked I looked at Rutgers videos on my Facebook of them guys working out, and I sent a message to their trainer. They need to do some different type of workouts because <laughs> the shit that they're doing that workout is clear. not producing. That is very clear. Well, I, I did get a sense though right. of one thing on your comments before you go that uh, after the video was released on Friday with Mr. Trump that you removed his sign from your yard. Is that accurate? Yeah, you, you man, didn't mail but, in your vote to but, Trump. You you rescinded that. Look, dude. Hey, man, if someone if someone would set up a GoFundMe account, I would whoop his yeah. ass for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, Les, you right, got Les, big hands, so on, be careful. On that political <laughs> note, man, I'm gonna have to let you go, man. As always, we appreciate you. Man, that guy, that guy, that show. guy is a sexual deviant, dog. And then he oh, gonna blame it on locker room talk, man. What are you talking about? We got him about? going. He ain't been in no damn <laughs> locker room. Look how fat he is. <laughs> yeah, well, locker room dog, talk if you bu- in a limousine. Hey, I got you. That guy, you gonna turn orange on the election day? <laughs> oh my God. goodness! All right, Les, man, we're we're gonna let you go. Um, again, appreciate you listening to the show, man. Much love, Gridiron. Y'all keep doing y'all thing, man. <laughs> All right, Bye. thank you very much. <laughs> I guess he's voting Hillary. Huh? It would appear that way. <laughs> Uh, unless there's some politician from the Detroit area that he wants to write in on his ballot. I think that's the way that this thing is going to go. I think All in right, his honor, man. the rest of the year when we do bad picks and, they're not, and they don't win, we're going to call them disasters in his honor. That's a disaster. Yeah, we've used that word ad nauseum today, um, but, yeah, we wore that one out. Well, listen, uh, we flapped our gums enough. We've come to the end of another great Gridiron Stud show. Once again, thank you for all of you who have logged in and listened uh, and appreciate you making us a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. We want you to enjoy the rest of your day. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. You high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting, we've got people visiting, we've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.